Hail, hail, the Celtics are here and we're back for another episode of the Flagship Podcast. We are right in the middle of the summer transfer window, maybe the summer break. And this week I've got a, a special guest co-hosting the co-pilot and co-hosting the show with me this week. We've got Stephen over from the Endless Celts. Stephen, my man, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Mate, I've been watching the channel from afar, obviously, when I get a chance to. And um, Craig sent out the message to see if I wanted to come on and... Call me yourself, buddy, Quinny. You're a good man. Looking forward to a good chat about Celtic. And as you said, it's a weird time to be a Celtic supporter, obviously, with different emotions and things like that. But I'm sure we're going to get stuck right into it. Yeah, definitely, mate. But it's, uh, it doesn't really feel like a summer break now, does it? Like, the sun is shining, but, like, we're not thinking about going and buying people in the summer and getting excited about who we could get in the group stages. It's It feels like we're still in, like, you know, it feels like we're under a cloud, doesn't it? It does. If it's sun shining outside, it feels like there's a wee over overcast cloud just over everyone's mind and and brain at the minute. And even I think as well, like because people love Celtic so much, it affects them emotionally, affects them day to day. And with the ups and downs from winning the travel and then the down hands leaving, you don't know how to feel. It's like you're in limbo and you don't know how to process it. I mean, we should be absolutely buzzing that we just want a a world record eighth travel. But at the same time, we've lost the guy who who led us to that amazing. I mean, it's a victory at Hamden over Inverness and bittersweet, I would say, Quinny, very bittersweet at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, you're definitely right because we still should be in the aftermath of a, a treble party where we're celebrating and looking up and looking forward. And, you know, like the, the game itself, like, you know, it was a nice event. I think we were all just really watching the game to see what the manager would do after the game and who, what he would say around the game. Like, I don't think <laughs> we were really that interested in what Inverness were up to and what Billy Dodds was saying or, you know, anything around that. And it was all about the manager post-match and it was all about getting mm-hmm. to Parkhead and he'll say something. And then it was, yeah. that was the end of the show. I, kind of thing, you know? I mean, for me, like I was over in Scotland with, with the guys from my podcast and William, who's on the podcast, has a lovely wee bar and he's converted into and We were all in there having a great time. And, but in the back of our minds, as you said there, all you all you think about is the aftermath of what's going to happen. And I, mean, I, don't, I know we're going to come on to it and stuff in, in detail, but it's... It's almost, a, it's, it's like that feeling, remember when Lenny got appointed after the travel in the showers? It's like a bit like that feeling, it's very reminiscent of that and the kind of flat aftertone of it. Obviously, the Saturday night and we had a great time and we were drinking beers on the barbecue and we were all loving our lives. But you wake up on the Sunday, the, the, the Spurs rumours were getting intensified and we all knew Pasta Cody was going on holiday on the Tuesday, so only left the Monday open and you're expecting the worst. Like, and again, as I said to you at the start of the show, it's it's bittersweet because you really want to be on that high and you want to enjoy the success of the club. But again, in the back of your mind, it's like the wee devil that's going, you're not going to enjoy this for too long. <laughs> no, big time. And it wasn't long at all, man. Like, and it's and again, we were saying this before coming on, but it's like the time is absolutely dragged in. You know, days have became weeks, minutes have became hours, you know. Transfer rumours have became sagas, you know, like over the last couple of days. Odds have been slashed, betting's been suspended and all sorts of things in between. And it's just, it's been absolutely mental. Um, you know, the, 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 the main thing I think is kind of circulating in the aftermath of the cup final rather than it being like treble parties and whatever, is there's a lot of fans and there's just, there's just a lot of different opinions and a lot of different dynamics going on with the manager leaving. Some people, I'm quite happy to wish him well. A lot of people are mm-hmm. very upset with him and throwing him into the, the kind of the, the Rogers 
bandwagoning for like leaving us high and dry, which I get, you know, to an extent. Um, and then some other people are looking at John Kennedy now, he might be leaving, and then we're mm-hmm. talking about all the other stuff that's moving around, you know. So there's a lot of mixed emotions, not just on losing a great manager, but so many other, like, what are the club going to do? Are the club actually fit to replace them? Did they just get lucky getting this guy in? You know, how do you feel I mean, about it all? You know? I'm I'm 50-50 with my feelings at the minute. Like you said there, Quinny, I want him to do well, but at the same time, I'm not going to watch him. I'm not going to watch Spurs. I'm not going to follow him like a supporter or kind of direct my attention to English football. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of English football. Everyone who knows what I say usually on on, the, on my show, I'm not a big fan of it. But uh, I mean, in terms of, I've obviously seen the, the comparisons to Rodgers and what I would say, I mean, you, you can see it in a way. I mean, all the fist pumping and quoting Tommy Burns and kind of playing off the media saying there was someone favourite last week and, and that type of stuff. So for, for the Spurs job, which I'm referring to, and it's, again, I don't put, I don't categorise him in that type of type of personality as Rodgers. I think Postacoglu's more true to himself. He's a bit selfish, but again, he's no links to us. And I think people who were blindsided by the fact that we had Champions League football was, was totally wrong. Because at the end of the day, Spurs are going to treble his wages. He's going to get the, the chance to manage against Pep. He's going to get the chance to manage against Klopp and uh, Ten Hag and, and all people they got and go to Etihad and being probably the best stadium, home stadium anyway in the Premier League, but with Spurs, they obviously redone it. So the pros and cons of it there is, is the way up. But a lot of our supporters, I think as well, they kind of buy all this kind of, I love the club or it's he played on the immigration stance and his family were like that. At the end of the day, like people come in and do this all the time. Players do it all the time. And then when they get an offer, they're away. But Roger's done it in a way where we knew he was a Celtic fan, but he, he told an awful lot of lies, which came out, after about Danny McGrain and things like that, so a lot of these people come in and play up to the gallery and the one. I mean, look at look at the season ticket thing as well. Sadly, didn't offer an extension that, so they must have knew in the background something's going on. And the support, I think, need to just relax a bit. Managers are going to come in. I mean, if we get a new manager next week and he comes in and says, "I love the club," I get Celtic Football Club. That's enough to, for for the majority to buy into that. Do you know what I mean? So. Again, it's going to happen again. There's going to be another cycle where we're going to be loving the new manager. We're going to be loving what he said in the press. And it's one of these things. They're going to leave at the end of the day. And I was very certain about four weeks ago, Postacoglu was out the door. I could just feel it. I could see it. I think in his press conferences, he was a bit shady with his answers where he's usually up front. He's usually honest with us. That annoyed me a bit. I just thought he could have clarified the situation a lot more than he did. Even the club, there's no communication from the club. Spurs announced it before us, which I thought was a bit embarrassing. But yeah, I think we just need to take a chill pill. We've experienced this under under Rodgers. Maybe, obviously, he left mid-season, but it, I know we're probably going to end it as well. I think if Postal Coldly had that offer on, on the table, I think he'd be away mid-season too. Well, do you know, I actually think there's a, a strong possibility that he could have left sooner and didn't, you know, like with Spurs, because Spurs have been quite strung out for a manager. You know, they have been losing position. Yeah, they didn't finish in Europe. They were in pole position to finish top four. And they were in free fall with an assistant manager and then nobody, basically. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to give the big man the benefit on that. It's something I've, done, I've thought to bring up, but it's something that has occurred to me before. But because, like, you know, I, I make you right. See, as soon as the links came out, my first thought was he'll go, you know, because mm-hmm. when Brendan Rodgers uh, left for Leicester, I, I, sh- I shit you not, the words that came out of my mouth was, I could understand if it was Spurs, like, when it was Leicester. <laughs> now, that was, like, genuinely, like, if it was Spurs... See, see on that, 
See, see on that, Quinny, I don't, I, was, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I was at the, the Motherwell game when Rogers last game that it turned out to be, and I got a text on my phone while I was at it by my mate saying, I think it was Claude Puel, was the Leicester manager at the time, and he got sacked. Text my mate back going, he's away. I could just feel it. And then two days later, he had the Leicester club suit on and, and he was gone. And obviously them negotiations take time. And I'm not, I'm not naive to believe that uh, he was in uh, contract talks maybe for a couple of weeks before Club Whale was eventually sacked. But you made a great point in, in regards to the Spurs manager, Conte, to start with, and then to put his assistant in charge. It didn't work out again. I don't understand the move they tried to make there, to be honest. Then they brought in Ryan Mason, who by all accounts, is a good up-and-coming coach. Obviously, he had the end of his, his career quite early. He's and John then, Kennedy. He's John he's, Kennedy. Yeah, he's, he's John Kennedy. But, but, then, but then the fact is as well, I mean, another gripe I have is the Farnwood manager re- rejected Spurs. Do you know what I mean? We're a bigger club than Farnwood. So I don't understand why Postacoglu couldn't maybe look at it that way and be like, for my career, they have a bit of a, a sketchy record with high-profile managers. Why would that change with me? But again, you counter that by going, He's ambitious and he, and he believes in his own ability as a, as a manager. But yeah, the whole saga, the, the the whole, as you said at the start of the show, the whole the whole thing was was crazy at points. And Celtic supporters arguing with each other and getting on each other's backs when we shouldn't have done that. But at the end of the day, we all love Postecoglou. Do you know what I mean? They, we bought into him, and as I said the other, we're fickle that way. Do you know what I mean? If anyone says anything good about Celtic, we're like sign him up or get him in. That's the way it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You just have to come in and say one quote from a, a, John, a Jack Steen or a, a Tommy Burns, and you're, it's in the palm of your hand. And Pasta called it to, to, to give credit to him. He knew that. He knew that 100%. And I think we were just a wee bit naive to believe he'd be with us for four or five years. This, was, this to me was it was a cycle that was coming to an end. I would have said next season would have been his last season anyway if he had a stayed in charge. He's yeah. left a year early, and we'll see where that takes us. I would definitely think that he's been genuine in a lot of the stuff. Like, I do think he, he's fell in love with the club, if nothing else. Like maybe any any foregone, you know, like oh, watching and you know the stuff you referenced earlier. Fair enough, right? <clears throat> but like, I can, you know, I, I can definitely imagine it being a. You know, I, I made a joke somewhere before, but like, I can imagine this being like Tottenham phone him up, and they and he's he's like, oh, Tottenham's on the phone. I tell him I'll do it for like treble my wages, like, and then they go. All right, they bother, you know, and then he's like, "Oh, <laughs> they said that, <laughs> you know," because like, and I, I think really like, I think Tottenham have probably had them lined up for a while, right? As has been reported, but they have tried to, uh, you know. So I think he said, "I'll only go end of the season," and they've probably went, "Cool, we'll just keep that on ice." Can we get Julian Nagelsmann? Can we go and get Graham Potter? Can we go and get this yeah. guy? Can we go and get that guy? Because this guy's on ice, Postecoglou. We'll get him end of season anyway. But can we go and get somebody else? No, we can't. Right, well, Postacoglu's coming. And I think yeah. him maybe holding out to the end of the season, I, I wouldn't rule it out if it came out in the fullness of time. Maybe that happened. Well, it was maybe a bit suspicious that... It was a bit suspicious, <laughs> that, <laughs> a bit suspicious that, that his agent was present, wasn't it? Uh, Frank yeah. Tombole, I think his name is. And obviously there's rumours going around the Twitter sphere that uh, he was pushing this for months. And obviously they appointed a new director of football, Scott Munn, who... He's worked with Pasta Cody before. So there's two links there. Do you know what I mean? And, and I know for a fact, from what, what I've been reading, the guy on the Athletic, I can't quite remember his name, but he gets most of the Spurs news correct. And Ornstein. he said that, who is it? Ornstein. 
Ornstein, yeah, that's the guy. And uh, apparently all them have a close relationship and he confirmed that. So as you said, maybe Postal Code give them the green light for the end of the season. They've tried their hand at trying to get Nagelsmann in and maybe getting a higher profile manager to appease their support. But at the end of the day, they're a basket case of a club and the majority of the, the gaffers have contacted and said no, but ours didn't. Yeah, that's it. So... Yeah, ultimately, I wish the big man well. I hope he does all right, because I like him. I think he's a good guy. I think he's, I, I, you know, and if I, if I could be candid with you as well, like, see, for me, see the thing that I, like, I love football, right? And see the thing that I really do love about football more than anything is that you can be some guy called Ange Postacoglu in Australia and see if you work hard enough, you yeah. could get to the Premier League. You could get to the World Cup. Oh, you know, like, that's a- you... You could be born in Liberia and then become the president of the bloody country afterwards if you're that good at football. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what football does. But, you know what I mean? Like, mate, let's be real about it. There's wars on. There's a virus. Everyone's getting locked in their house, but we're still playing football. It, you know, it doesn't matter. Oh, I mean, football makes the world go round, you know? And it's like, you know, and I love Messi and all the rest of it, but it's, it's all about, it doesn't matter where you are. If you are that guy, you will rise. No one's going to stop yeah. you. You know, and there's these old jokes that go around as well, like Premier League clubs would hire Saddam Hussein to avoid relegation, you know, and whatever. Like, that's the way football is. You don't care who you are. Can you win a football match? <laughs> You're playing. Come in. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, th- I, think, I think as well, like, football's a story, isn't it? It's, it's as you said, there are Postacolu who came from uh, Greek origins. His family left to go to Australia. He tried, I think it was a right back in South Melbourne. Puskas came in and obviously he learned a lot from him. He was manager and he, he worked his way up from there. We also have to understand he had a field time in Europe with a Greek third division team. So at that time it was looking bleak, but he, he dusted himself down and he came back again. He came back stronger. And as he quotes himself, he never stopped and he's never going to stop. And there's nothing wrong with harboring ambitions, Quinny. Not, not at all. I think that, as you said, there, if you look, if you look at like Henrik Larson, he, he ended up winning the Champions League at 35. He went the United at 37. So, I mean, so there, there's ways and, and, and means of improving yourself. And Postacoglu, if you look at the age thing, which is probably wrong too, to be fair, but he was 57. Would this come round again? You, you never know. And he, he's setting his family up for life. He's two young kids who ran under that pitch with his wife. And if, if, if you're honest, if, some, if, if the Spurs manager's getting £16 million a year, he signed a four-year contract. If he gets the worst and gets his contract terminated, that's a wee payout for him. He can go back to Australia with his feet up and a wee sangria on, on the sand with his wife and kids. So there's a way to look at it. This and we have to we have to look at it. He never had a he didn't have a connection with us. We were he, he said very early on these people referring to players and himself and different managers their vessels just passing through. The support remain at Celtic Football Club. Celtic Football Club goes on regardless. It doesn't stop. It doesn't turn the lights off. If Postacoglu leaves, they get switched back on again and we go again. And as you said, I, ho- I wish him well, but I'll be paying no attention to the EPL. None whatsoever. So in that essence, I don't care. But the big man, I do like him. But as I said at the start of the show, there's some things in my opinion he wasn't really honest about. Yeah, no, I'll fi- I'm definitely in agreement with you there. And like Celtic, uh, you know, and th- what you've said there, I think it probably takes us on really well. That's kind of what I got out the Tommy Burns quote is that he's trying to tell us like I'm out of here but you guys are you guys are really the, the thing not me you know kind of thing mm-hmm. so um so <clears throat> you know I'm a wee bit torn and twisted on on some of it you know but it does lead us on do you to think it was another... wrong do, do you think it was wrong for him to quote Tommy Burns especially knowing in the back of his mind he was leaving I think if he could do it again he wouldn't do it clearly yeah like I think it's definitely been a divisive thing that I've probably fought 
he would talk our language to us like the and I'm trying to translate it basically as I'm sitting here talking now. It's a good way of thinking. I actually never thought of that, to be honest with you. He, he, it sounds like, as you said there, he's saying to us, we're here, but I'm Oski. I never yeah. actually thought about that, so that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I did before the now either, really, but to be honest, it's just a <laughs> podcasting girl. He talked, to, he talked to people and great things came out, you know. Oh, um, mate. Creative minds and all that. The Daily Record have given us 14 names to talk to great people about. Um, I've been doing my best to mm. talk to as many people about as many managers as could possibly be at this point. I'm sure you're the same. I don't think any Celtic fan is any different at this point. The main one that keeps having me twisted up the same way I'm kind of the now talking about Ange and whatever is kind of the, the favourite, non-favourite, is Brendan. How do you feel about mm. the, the Brendan links or the return of Brendan in general? Will it happen? Yeah. The return of the return of sorrow, eh? But I, I think, like with, with Brendan Rodgers, it's 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 one of these things where you have to put this into context, right? Yes, what he done was a bad move, but you look at it from the other side of a coin. He left us in a great position in the league. We we're in a cup semi final, and all it really needed was guidance to get that over the line. For many years, I mean, I was at his event. I live in Belfast, so I was at his event in the waterfront when he told that Danny McGrain story, and that sticks in my mind an awful lot because that's been nice since since for no. But he's an ego man, and at the end of the day, at Leicester, he, he finished fifth twice. He, he won an FA Cup, got them in the European football, done quite well. Obviously, the last season there, I think he was his transfers were wrong because he wasn't getting money. It took them ages to sign a centre half, so there was different things that got on in the background and that aspect of things. And maybe he was handcuffed like he was at Celtic with the with the transfer budgets. But I just think I would take him back. I would take him back because I know for a fact as well, if in two or three years' time, if Boston Cogley was available, we'd be saying take him back. And there's people angry with Boston Cogley. Yeah, what Brendan Rodgers done was wrong. And the way he did it was wrong. But at the, at the end of the day, he's probably one or two of the best available managers we could attract. There'd be there'd be a lot of stuff that needed we need to be ironed out between Desmond and Lawwell and and whoever was there at that time in the background. Between I, I have no doubts about that because you've seen towards the end of his time we were signing Marion Sved. He didn't have a clue who he was. We were signing all these random players like uh, Malumbu, and it wasn't quite what he wanted. And he, he he made that perfectly clear. So we have to understand there was reasons why he left the club. He wanted a transfer budget to compete in certain levels of European football, and he wasn't getting that. I think what's different between then and I is we're projected to reach about 112 million pounds in turnover. We've we've got 50 50 million pounds in the bank. That's before the new Champions League money comes in. Obviously, no players' uh, wages come out a lot and, and things. But again, if it's reported, we'd receive five million compensation from us to Cogley. So there's money coming into the bank there. I would say maybe we could back him a bit more, give him a bit more room in, in the transfer market. And I think the recruitment policy of Celtic's changed. Obviously, with Mark Lowell coming in, working close with the CFG group, and then you've got the, <laughs> then you've got the, the the couple of scouts he brought in, and the analysis that uh, Postacoglu brought in from Benfica very early on to kind of do the, the the team analysis of things like that. So there's a lot of things that's changed in the background, and also you've seen today Stephen Hamill coming in as a head of coaching, a new role that apparently the SPFL has wanted to to, to be implemented in all professional clubs. So there's different things happening in the background. Rogers, it's all dependent on him. If he's interested, if he wants another crack at it, then that's fair enough. I think his reputation, I don't think it's took any damage from Leicester. I think he, he literally took them as far as he could. Other teams in that league strengthened. Arsenal got better. Spurs were kind of in, in between as a yo-yo. 
you look at even West Ham, they were up 7-6 on, on their Moyes, and then obviously Man City's reached another level, so you're not going to compete with them in terms of trying to get up there in top four. United's come back into form under Ten Hag. So what he'd done at Leicester was, was a good achievement for them, and they won the league, obviously, under Ranieri, but that was a freak season. A lot of them big clubs were, were rebuilding, a lot of their big players were performing due to various reasons, wanting transfers out of them for more money, if, if, if even you can dare ask for that being in the Premier League. But yeah, I would take Brendan Rodgers back. Again, it plays into the whole fickle support type thing. Do you know I mean we we all like to believe that? You know, I always hear that analogy about about you're trying to describe your your glamorous ex and make a make an excuse to to go back there. But at the end of the day, Rogers is a good football coach. He's a high profile name, and I think he would put Michael B to the sword. That wee man has non-stop run his mouth since he's come into uh, Sevco or Rangers Football Club, and I just think for me he needs brung down a couple of levels and. Yeah, I think Rogers would, would do a job. There's, there's no doubt in my mind it would win another travel quite easily. No doubt. What, what's your opinion, yeah. Quinny? Well, I, I like Rogers, but see, for me, mate, see that time, like, I don't know. I think when he won the FA Cup, I kind of felt a, a wee bit, I felt a wee bit for him when he won the FA Cup. I thought, oh, well done to you, well done to you, Brendan, right? Fair play to you on that one. But see, looking back at it now, like, he did throw 10 in a row away for me. Mm. He threw it away by leaving to go and win the FA Cup now and finish eighth twice and then almost get relegated. That's what he left for, really. You know what I mean? So I find that really, like, I, I'm sure he'll come, if he comes back, I'm sure he'll win two or three games and I'll be quite happy enough outwardly. But inwardly, deep in my soul, I'm going to say it now, this will be burning. He would need to He would need to stay for eight seasons. We've just won two, haven't we? He would need to stay for mm-hmm. eight seasons for this little yeah, bit I- of my soul to be repaired. <laughs> I seen a wee clip today on Twitter, Quinny. You mentioned ten the road. There was this wee boy in the in the corridors of Celtic Park and he looked at Brendan and he's like ten or something. He goes, You're gonna be here for ten the row and Brendan looked at him, Do you want me to be? And he just nodded his head and he walked away. So again, look we don't know what Postacolo's gonna do as far as here, right? He could finish eighth twice, he could bring them towards relegation. You don't know this, you can't control what's gonna happen. I mean that league's mental. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, being fickle, yeah. I'm, I'm being definitely selfish yeah. on this one. That's my personal Le- Les- like, emotions. <laughs> you know, I'm not hiding. Leicester at the, the time. Not the views of anyone. <laughs> Le- Leicester at the time. You have to remember, Quinny, as well. They just won the league two years previous. So they they were still they were riding a, a crest there. And I mean, their squad they had Jimmy Vardy and all Tillemans he brought in and, and players like that. He signed the he signed the right back that he wanted for Celtic for them. So do you know what I mean? There, there was definitely some some gravitas in that in that form to get more spending power. I think what the major thing is with Rogers, I know where I'm on. I don't know why here, but I'm usually not on the bandwagon, but I'm on it tonight for for Rogers or this evening. I, I just I, I look at it and I think out of all of them, I know we're going to discuss names. He's the most talented. He's done it. He's been there. He, he's wore the t-shirt. He'll come in again. And I think it'll be a masterstroke if if the media team let the fans do the press conference first. Imagine that would be some some meat and bones press conference there, like with Brendan Rogers. There had to be some home truths fairly flung at him. Wow, can you imagine that? Eh? Jesus, <laughs> well, I, I think that's quite irrefutable. He's definitely of all the candidates, he's the one with the t-shirt on. There's no two ways. He's still got that quadruple treble t-shirt on, you know, mm. underneath his shirt. No two ways about it. So uh, he's he cannot argue with that. But I think I think where a lot of the fear or a lot of the anger. Is, you know, from Celtic fans I talk to, interact with, and, and see on interwebs and whatever, I think it all really comes down to this kind of core worry that we've got that the board are going to go and give it 
to some guy from Mumbai that we've never heard of before, or they're going to do something that is like Lenny in the shower material, or it's, you know, whatever. They're going to do something highly unambitious and highly biscuit tinny, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of vibes. That's what we're really all kind of worried about more than, and maybe Rogers is like a sign of that in a way because it's just an easy get for the board yeah. because they don't have anything outside of that, and it's maybe another just patch job on. A bigger problem that's kind of underlying perhaps so it's you know my my view on it is very personal very emotional on it but i think maybe that's a, a little part of it maybe going around there as well because you mentioned it already there might need to be some sit downs with some of these people because it might have been quite yeah. hairy when when uh, ways were parted but out of the names that are, are linked the only one i remember when brendan was first linked to celtic for the first stint and as soon as he was linked as like fifth choice or not fifth choice but fifth likely or whatever mm. Anyway, I was fixated on him. He's the man. He's got to be the one that we get. Never going to happen, but because that's just never the way Celtic do things. And oh my God, can't believe we've done it. We got him. The only candidate I kind of feel that way potentially about is Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter, but it's probably going to be crazily expensive to get out of whatever. You know, he's just had his contract terminated from Chelsea mm-hmm. and Brighton. You know, he's got a lot of money probably due to him and there's probably legal complications around when he can take a job and what leagues he can play in and stuff maybe our league actually works in that sense might be a benefit who am i to say but like i think potter is like what brendan was before as well like is that up-and-coming coach that almost got to like the pinnacle of english football Mm -hmm. and then like it just wasn't maybe the right place at the right time or it didn't quite in rogers's case it was just i think it was that close to winning the league but i think with potter he just shouldn't have went to Chelsea. He probably should have went to Spurs. He should have stayed at Brighton yes. until probably Spurs came up. And that would have probably been a much better time for everyone. We'd still have Ange probably. I don't think he would have went to Chelsea. You know? <laughs> I think I think with um with, with Graham Potter, it's the redemption angle, isn't it? It's trying to prove themselves again. And they'll be hungry to do that. The, the thing with Graham Potter that excites me, I'm, I'm glad you've rung his name up. It's not quite that he got the Chelsea job, but it's, it's the journey through the Chelsea job. With his team in Sweden, Ostrasens, he took them from literally uh, the, the back end of nowhere in Swedish football up to the top and, and winning the yeah, fifth division up to the top league. And then they beat Arsenal, I think, in the, in the Europa League. So he's, he's got gravitas and he's got quality that way. And he went to Swansea and then he got his move to Brighton. And I know people are saying that uh, the Serbia has took Brighton on to another level from, from uh, uh, Graham Potter, which is fair enough, but you have to understand it's most of Graham Potter's players still there. So he, he has an eye for a player. And your, your wee man in midfield, Casado, I think he got him for peanuts and he's getting sold to, I think it's Arsenal maybe, for like 80 million quid. Do you know what I mean? And it just shows you he, he's got an eye for a player. And that's what we loved about Posta Coglu. It was his eye for talent that no one's ever heard of before. And he, and, I mean, in that um, Brighton team, he has Mimital, the other Japanese player, who Celtic were after. So he, he knows them leagues, Quinny. He knows the J-League. He wouldn't be signing players from the J-League if he didn't know them quite well. And he knows how to put a team together. And I like his formation. I like the, the variance of the 3-5-2. He plays like a 3-5, like attacking midfielder, 3-4-1-2, or he plays the two up front. Obviously, wing-back system, which might suit Mieta down to the ground, kind of bombed up down that left-hand side, and Kyogo having the partner finally, which we've been crying out for for ages. But he's, he's an exciting man. That, what, I, what I didn't like about Chelsea was the amount of abuse he got. People are saying he changed, but and, and, and I seen one of a clip of him at a at a fan media type press conference thing and it was in like a supporters club. And he was he was trying so hard to fit in with what they were doing. He he started to say curse words and things just to get a, a cheer from the crowd and stuff. But Graham Potter's not that. He, he's a he's an inter, 
intellectual man who, who thinks. And I mean, you don't beat Arsenal with a Swedish minnow team if you don't have something about them. That's something we haven't managed in a good couple of years in European football. So I have no doubt if he came in, he would do a fantastic job. But as you said, compensation-wise, what would we have to pay to get him out of the, the, the garden leave contracts he's under with uh, Chelsea and Brighton? And then it's himself. Does he want to come back in that, that very early on after a tough stint at Chelsea? And another thing that went against him, which people don't seem to understand as well, he didn't have control over the transfers. Chelsea were bringing in Mudrick. They were bringing in all these talents, Enzo Fernandez, and it's, an Enzo, it's Enzo Fernandez, isn't it? They were bringing in players like that, and I don't think Potter necessarily wanted them. He was handed them players by Ted Bowley to, to kind of fit into that system, where if I think he had full control of Chelsea Football Club, he would have done a, a far better job. And it's kind of like the Liverpool, the Liverpool thing with Rodgers. They have that famous transfer committee. They get the final say, and that goes against you in a way. And you look at Frank Lampard. He came in and lost most of the games he was in charge of Chelsea after he left. So yeah. Graham Potter's not, not a man to be sniffed at. And for me, it's a redemption angle. Does he does he want to fight? Does he, does he want to come back and, and kind of earn his reputation again? I'm going to have to get really, really comfy with the idea that Celtic are a stepping stone club. We are... Managers, as like managers coming from Europe. I Funny, I know you're going to chirp. I know you. I know you're going to say that managers coming in from Europe, in my opinion, are looking at us now as a two to three year window if they do well on the a more attractive league, and that's the way players do it. We have to get used to this. We're not going to compete with wages in England. And I, I seen something saying in the English Championship, a hundred thousand pound a week is going to become a base wage in some clubs. That's going to wipe us out of the water even more in, in the English transfer market. So we'll have to get used to this fact. And I'm quite comfy with it. If we get entertaining football for two or three years and we're winning trophies for two to three years, as long as we're keeping the other side out, happy. Yeah. I'm, I don't mind it as long as they go to the top of football from here. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, you know, we're good players. We want to see them get, you know, like, not that we want to, we don't want to see them ever leave, but when they're leaving, we want them to go somewhere cool. We want them to go to the top. We want to see them in finals of the Champions League and winning other stuff, you know, and we go, yeah. he played for us. He learned that in Glasgow. He learned that playing Champions League for the hoops. You know, that's Bandai. what we all do. You know what I mean? But I would do it all. Van Dijk's a perfect example. Yeah. Even, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, I don't mind that, but, and like I said earlier, kind of maybe how this all kind of came on, but, like, when Rodgers left us for Leicester, I did say at the time, I could take it if it was Spurs, because, like, if it's the very top of the table, right, and that seems yeah. ironic now, coming back to it, I'm only remembering this talking to you today, um, but, like, but you know, it is the top of the table for him going there, and that is a great, it's, it's kind of great in a sense that we're starting to complete that part of the food chain. And we're starting yep. to feed into the absolute top. They're not going to Southampton, then Liverpool. They're not going to, you know, like, you know, other guys that have went all over the place. Like, the belly's free now from Leon, so he couldn't go away. And, you know. Yeah, so I think one of the, I think one of the perfect examples, Quinny, is you look at the, 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 the Red Bull examples, right? So they usually have a manager starts at Salzburg. Do well, they go to Leipzig. And if they do well, they go to Bayern. So that's the type of path I see us at the minute. And you're right. If I was an up-and-coming European manager and I'm going, where should I go next? If Celtic come knocking, you look at where the managers went after they left Celtic. So Posta Caldo has went to the top six, six club in England, which never would have happened before. I mean, Lenny left us for Bolton. Do you know what I mean? A lot of things have, have changed since 2014. Can you imagine saying that right now? Someone's left Celtic to go to Bolton. It's, it's shambolic that that even happened. But... Even if you look at, at, at Rodgers, in, in a way, Quinny, he left for a Premier League team that just won the league two years previous. So 
there's a, there's a track record there now that we're starting to we're starting to earn and we're starting to yeah. the reputation for young and up and coming managers. I think would be a stepping stone. And I know people won't like me saying that, but it's it's true. Get comfy with that term. That's what we are now. And if a manager comes in, that that would be the next move they're looking to make in their career. Yeah. But again, it's like, um, you know, the, the advancements UEFA have got now with the champions, like the format's changing next season. I don't know enough about it to really get into it. It's probably a conversation for another day anyway. But that's, the, you know, those are the horizons that we should be tackling. And like for us to properly, you know, we should want the ambition of having the best people in the club possible, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we're never going to be able to, the best players in the world, and when they're the best at football, they are going to be aged between, let's just say, typically 25 and 31 and they're going to want six figure wages per week well those people are just never ever on the table for us you know so you're then looking outside of that in terms of the wage bracket and probably the age range as well and if you're thinking about that from the player perspective you're, you're dead right you need that for the managers as well because as we've seen with this john kennedy's leaving Strachan's leaving and i know that we should be shedding tears over that right but they're meant to be our staff they're meant to be our guys, you know. They've they've been there, you know. They they've got the keys, you know. They you know they know the pin code to open the car park in the morning, you know. Like they, they, you know, they're part of the the club, you know, the infrastructure as it were. And like when you take those people out, like it's, it offers you a good opportunity, of course, but it makes it extremely hard for there to be continuity on that Red Bull scale that you're discussing. Because See, those managers funny. are all are all pieces, you know. Like the manager, yeah. if you go from Salzburg to Leipzig, you don't take five coaches; you just move. No, you know, like, yeah. you kind of vibes. You're just a but coach. I have to. I don't agree with you in that stance. I think uh, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan have run their course at Celtic. I, I really do. John Kennedy's obviously he's well renowned as a great football coach, but for me, that's all he's ever going to be at us. Maybe he needs to go somewhere and spread his wings, and maybe Spurs is that perfect opportunity. I look at uh, Gavin Strachan. He only got a pass because Pasta Caldo done so well in his, his first two seasons. Otherwise, he'd be still the laptop man. Do you know what I mean? He'd be the guy who all the abuse would be aimed at. So I get what you mean by continuity. But what you have to remember is continuity is a, a, a number of things. It's the boardroom. It's the majority shareholder. It's the de facto director of football and Mark Lawwell. You're coming in. You still have Stevie Woods, Tim, Tim Williamson doing the physio. And you obviously have the, the legends going about the club, like John Park, and still involved in some capacity, Tom Boyd as an ambassador. So the continuity side of things for me is grand, right? If this gives a, a coach coming in a chance to bring in a first-team coach and an assistant, I'm all for it. I mean, you look at the guy as well. I'm probably going to butcher his name, so I apologize. Ariola, he was the, the manager of uh, Rio Falacano, and I think he beat Real Madrid and Barcelona last season in the Liga. They, they punched above their weight for three seasons under his stewardship. That's a name that excites me too. It's thinking outside the box. It's not going for the, the Steve Clark or the Davy Moyes, the, the lazy names, as you said, Quinny, like Rogers, maybe that first pick out of the, the dusty shelf where Peter Lowell used to keep his contact. So you have to be aware of that. Sometimes a new idea, a new fresh implement of style is good. And if you bring in your own team, that's grand. And we looked at Eddie Howe, right? Fair enough, that, that fell flat. He wanted to bring his mates with him. But look at the job he's doing with his mates at Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? They, they turned that club around. And I know the money's come into it, but he hasn't really spent an, an awful, awful lot of money. He's done that with like Dan Burnett left back and Longstaff still featuring Colin Wilson up front. So it's not a star-studded team. He's done that just by pure coaching and, and pure style of play with his, with his backroom staff that he's comfortable with. So I think the likes of Ariola, if the, the rumours are led to believe he's going to apply for the job, if he's willing to take two or three people with him, be open to the idea. 
I don't understand why we need Kennedy around still there. I think there's space for both, you know, like I think you can How big like, do you want, how big do you want the bands to be? <laughs> Like as it needs to be, mate. Honestly, like you know, if you look at elite football, they now you know, it's big benches everywhere. You know, it's forty seats in those buckets. You know, um, but I think uh, I, I don't begrudge Kennedy the career opportunity. Right? I think Kennedy was obviously robbed due to injury of a of a football career, right? So I don't begrudge the guy having a coaching career, taking an no. opportunity to get a pal. He's finally got a pal that can take him on a job because that's the way football works. If you don't know people, you don't get jobs. But he's finally got somebody that he's proper get a good connection with and he's taking them on don't grudge him the person the opportunity mm-hmm. if that makes sense or even striking i'd probably put him in that boat but i firmly mean kennedy because kennedy's you know kennedy's solid you know he's one of us um <laughs> but, but like for the club like you know there is the opportunity for a new kind of thing to come in right but i think there's always the opportunity because i see it in clubs all across europe and stuff like that. like yeah you normally have the, the, the kind of entourage like if Rogers comes back, he brings in Chris Davies and he brings in one or two. Well, other he guys. might, he might not, by the way, because he's been linked to Spurs. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. Today he's been linked with Spurs. That that might that may be led to believe that John Kennedy might not be going anywhere if Postecoglou gets Chris Davies in. So that's one to keep an eye on. But I, I get what you're saying. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I think like at most clubs, like you, know, you just listed Stevie Woods and Timmy Williamson, great stalwarts and servants to the club. And again, like Timmy Williamson left for a while, went to Birmingham, came back, no big shakes. That's mm-hmm. cool, you know. John Kennedy could do the same for all I care. No big shakes, Gavin Clark and whatever. Yeah. Who cares, really? Um, but the club, I think we should always have room for like the now. I think we'll be leaning quite heavily on O'Day and McManus, who I think have maybe been forgotten Aye. in this dynamic of it all. They've been firm B team, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, uh, you know champions as it were so maybe we see one or two of them maybe be the, the kennedy of new perhaps which could be cool but i do think that then that there has to be a wee bit of that proactiveness because if we do want to have you know we're, we're our own little we're our own little we're not really in the city football group but we're bloody well like <laughs> a de facto state or something at this point you know or like uh i, I don't know, like it I guess I past, like. you know I, I i love it to be quite honest with you like, i'll, t- I'll tell you I one get- reason I'll tell you one reason I love it more than anything, right? I, I've supported Man City for a long time when they were rubbish, right? I didn't mm. like Man United. You had to get that in there. It's a story for another day, right? Um, but Man City, for me, like, see if you look at our business, they're, they're our pals, man. What have they done? You know, they, all they do is give us cool players and, like, lend us stuff. And, you know, like, what do we ever really give them? Really? Like, what do we ever... <laughs> really, what do they get out of it? I don't think it's very much... You know, no. and the final thing I'll say on it is they're the east of Manchester. We're the east of Glasgow and they're in a European Cup final looking to win their first European Cup against Inter Milan. How poetic is yeah. that? It's, it, it is. It is. They're big rich pals, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it, it's fitting. It's it's the way it's the way you're saying that makes it sound poetic, honey. That, let's be fair here. I, I, I just think Celtic should be known as a standalone identity in, in football. That, that's why I look at it. Yeah, you can have contacts within clubs, but see the CFG group there, band like Mumbai and, and uh, Melbourne City in Australia, they're not going to buy us. I know we've got contacts and stuff inside it, which is great to have, but at the end of the day, we're Celtic Football Club. We should, we should be able to attract players by ourselves and, and managers by ourselves. And You, you said there quite funnily, what do they get out of it? I can tell you what they get out of it. Nuisance phone calls from Mark Lowell and Peter asking who who can they appoint or, or bring in as a director of football or a manager of the club. And see, to be fair with you, see, to be fair, see the players we've had, Roberts, you've had Gadetti, you've had Denier. 
um, Oliver Neat and Sam as well. The 100% they've loaned us some cracking players, we signed a few of them on permanent contracts as well. I like the links, but I don't like people saying we're a de facto city club when we're, a, in my opinion, we're a bigger club than Manchester City. We're outweighing them support wise. The only thing bigger about Manchester City is financially. That's it. And as you said, you supported them when they were quote unquote rubbish. I don't know much about them, obviously, from back in that time. But they've only come on to a game since they've got their, their rich owners and from the Saudis and they're signing all these world class players. And see, to be fair to Pep, I have to be honest with you, he hasn't really spent the over a hundred million that much. He's he's got like players in De Bruyne, Gudagan, Holland at sixty million quid. So in that essence, he's shot quite well. But Celtic Quinney are a standalone team, and they should be able to do it on their own. Yeah, we're definitely not going to become Glasgow City, Glasgow Celtic, or something like that. Definitely not. I'm, I'm definitely with you yeah. on that. Def- but I think like what it should do for is, and I think the club has made some like feeble attempts at this already. But it should give you the insight to make that infrastructure with the kind of roots that we do have as a club. And you see the kind of, mm. and I say feeble with all due respects, I don't really know what they do, but into North America and into Ireland and stuff, like Celtic should have plumbed in infrastructure where talent mm. just comes across because that's where our roots are, where our fans are, where, you know, our history is. And, you mm-hmm. know, we're maybe now getting a wee bit of that with Japan, but that's highly manufactured through the Nakamura situation all the way through to the present yep. day, really, beyond that, you know, it's not anything else. I think so. as well, Quinny, I think Thurman Desmond's, I think he's a majority shareholder and Shamrock Rovers, or he, he's ploughed money into that club, so maybe they're trying to make a feeder club in that, but I do agree with you. You look at the League of Ireland and Celtic should be somewhere in there, with, maybe with a feeder club, not under the, the Celtic banner, but someone you could kind of hoover the yeah, talent up and bring them over and see. Yeah, yeah like, let's see how they go on it. Get loans or off, oh, you sign for them, or maybe say I'll take a look at you, you know. Yeah, like, 100%. Vibe, and, yeah. and then you said North America, I mean, I'm not really clued up in the teams in that, in that kind of in that area, but there's obviously ways and means to create feeder clubs. I know they do the soccer schools, and maybe that's the way to get into it and stuff. So the infrastructure needs to be improved. I think we all know this. You, you look yeah. at clubs all around the world, I mean, even in Belgium, I mean, most of that league are feeder clubs, then these teams. I mean, Royal Antwerp United and like Ghent and, and things like that and they're all feeder clubs of some sort of big club in Europe so why can we not get involved and get a piece of that pie I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not hard to create a link and create a, a player revolving door type system where you said we can send the likes of Mickey Johnson to to keep an eye on them and we can yeah. take their, their youth talent to see if they can make the grade at us so there's a win-win there for both sides yeah, for sure, man. So I think, like, we definitely, you know, I think that's the only way that the CFG links kind of dampen down is when we become self-sufficient. It feels like, I say, we've got a rich pal and we can use his car and we can party in his house and, you know, like, <laughs> you know, whatever else. Ah, yeah, he leaves the credit card on the dinner table when he goes out to work. You know, like, that's the kind of pal we've got. That's the way it feels like, you know, but, um, but, but the only way, for fans that don't like it, you know, like yourself, I get the identity part and I'm all about that, by the way, you know, hoops all the way and everything else. But, um, but Celtic really should have the ambitions to be its own kind of entity mm-hmm. in that sense because that's the way modern global football is going. CFG and Red Bull really are the two like leaders and the main players. But there's a couple other people having a shot at it. Brighton, by mm-hmm. the way, if anyone isn't aware, like Brighton are basically doing that with that team that put out Rangers, United Saint-Gilois, USG, yes. Belgium. Yes. And that's where Matoma and that, they see like three of the, that Brighton team they started off with that team in Belgium. And what's Belgian football got going for it, really, in terms of, like, standard of league and, oh, you can't develop yeah. players at this level and you can't attract players. Like, USG, they were called. Nobody's ever heard of them in their life. 
and they were able to sign players and put them in there with the promise of going to Brighton if they were good enough or they would get farmed around Europe, if you get me. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's Brighton that are initiating that. They're finding a wee yeah. team in Belgium and going, right, see you in the second division. We're going to buy you and then we're going to do this. I'm not saying we need to do that and be a mad capitalist club or anything, but, like, you know, that's... that's it's a, a way in. We should be. It's, 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 it's a way in. You mentioned Andoni Iraola. Now, he is probably... You know, I, I mentioned the funny feeling about Potter, right? I'd really like us to get him. Now, it came out on Twitter Wednesday. Iraola is applied for the job. I don't know if you've seen this yourself, but he has, like, actively submitted his application to it. He's out of contract in the summer. He managed via Cano, punched above their weight for a few years. I watched them, you know, I watched a fair bit of La Liga, right? And, you know, we can talk about that if you like. Decent guy, good reputation. Everyone kind of rates him. I think if he's applying to the job, like... I've got a, I've got a sneaky feeling me he might when I seen that go out that he's made an active application. I don't really remember that happening too often with these jobs with Celtic that I've, often. It's normally <laughs> us going to people and trying to get them yeah. answer the phone and respond respond to emails and stuff, you know. So he's got a really good reputation and with the the board's like mindset, either only knocked back Southampton and Leeds in January because he wanted to see his contract out and see if he could get via Cano into Europe. They just missed out. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, if Premier League comes of Colin, if the club have got any wits about them, they'll just put him on a four-year contract with a buyout fee for a Premier League club and just wait until they start getting sacking managers down there again, you know? Um, <laughs> I think I think with the likes of Areola, like, I, I don't watch the league much, Quinny. I just know reading about him and stuff like that, so I'm not going to pretend I'm a, a the league expert. But one thing about him is... He obviously rejected the advances of Southampton and Leeds. I think that was pretty well covered in, in January, February time when, the, when they were going through a bit of turmoil of their own. He wanted to see out his contract. So there's a loyalty aspect with, with Rio Valicano. I mean, he could have jumped ship. And he, this is what I was saying. like We can't keep going back to the same old names and the, the dusty shelf of the likes of Moyes and all again. Park that to one side. I would hope Mark Lawwell will have enough wits about him and be like, we'll interview him. We'll bring him in. We'll sit him down with Dermot Desmond in, in, in London where he likes to do interviews and let him see what his football fashion is for us. And I think as well, for a, a guy like Ariola to be interested in the job off the bat without us approaching him is a sign of that kind of link of the stepping stone. He's looking, going, Postal College went to Spurs after two years. Two or three years, if I do a good job, I could come back to an Atletico Madrid if Diego Simeone leaves or you go to Napoli, you could go to Dortmund. Do you know what I mean? So instead of thinking about England, he could be thinking about going back into European football after two to three years. So there's different ways of looking at this. I would get him in 100%. Obviously, he's seen the rumours that he was applying. If it's, if it's Neil Bonney's applied, you'd be interviewing him until you're blue in the face. Bring him in. And as you said, they punched above their weight in a very tough La Liga uh, league. And yeah, you have to respect him for doing this. Do you know I mean? Like he, he could have waited. He could wait for a mid-table club somewhere in, in France or or at least maybe get a bigger pay packet. But if he if he's interested in coming to us, by all means. And you, you look at the other names as well, Quinny. Nutson, Bodo Glimt, manager. He outsmarted Postacoglu in two games. A lot of fans are probably are pinning the hopes in that. But again, Nutson to me does get gets my blood pumping a bit, to be fair. It's a quite a similar start that he had it with Potter. He went to Ostersons, brought them from the fifth division. He's brought Bodo Glimt up from the second tier in Norway. He's won back-to-back league titles. He's been in the latter stages of a conference league or Europa League at some points in that run as well. So you have to kind of 
take that under consideration. Do you remember Solbeck in the play for him? He absolutely ripped us apart. He was a, a cracking player. And I was reading t- today, his biggest, or was it Areola? I, I can't remember. But one of their biggest outlays was £2.2 million on a player. And I think that's fantastic. And if if the likes of Areola and Nutson can do that, we all know the budget that Celtic's not going to stretch the millions and millions of pounds. Come in and do it. I, I don't see, again, I don't see no, re- no reason why not we can't appoint these guys. I think we're in a good position too. Yeah. We don't need a safe pair of hands, right? We don't need a, a Sam Aldice. We're just seeing people speak about, we, we don't need a Gordon Strachan for a year to this, this, this steady the ship. We're in the best position we've been in years. We're attractive. We've got money in the bank. We've got guaranteed Champions League football, and hopefully we'll improve in that. We've got a squad full of sellable assets if the manager doesn't fancy them. And there's plenty of opportunity for growth in that team. And I just think the likes of Nutson, Ariola, Graham Potter would take advantage of that. I know the other guy, Azel Alkmaar, coach, Quinny, I can't quite remember his name, but he's been linked with it today. So oh. apparently he's a young up-and-coming co- coach from the Eredivisie. So there's four names to watch out for. Well, three names. I yeah. couldn't remember the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but the AZ manager, but they've been, I, I, I can't say I know who it is off the top of my head, but I know they've been doing well. Uh, so yeah, that's a, another one that threw in there. I think outside of that, that, they're all quite uninspiring off the top of my head, as you say, a lot of the old names, and then it's like your Marescas and, you know, guys from Mumbai and a few other bits and pieces besides that. Oh, Buckingham know. Palace. <laughs> yeah, um, but like you, you make a good point there. Like the squad's like is so attractive. Like I, I would hope that there's lots of really good applications to this. And I did a, I did a mm-hmm. video on the channel early week, like going through a bunch of different names that were maybe on a bit of a wish list more than anything. But the squad is like covered in talent, covered in assets, really. You know, and like we do have the ability to be really flexible under somebody new who says, do you know what, mm-hmm. I'm going to play with this type of midfielder, so I don't need these three guys anymore. Or you better sell that guy because he's never going to play and whatever. Yeah. And you can make those decisions early in the summer and you can also then, you know, fit the, the new team out the way it needs to be fitted out, you know, mm-hmm. with enough time. So I think the time of getting it done for the manager situation and for the transfer policy is probably one of the most important parts of it with the quality of candidate we're maybe talking about if it is one of those guys that get it. But is there any players you think are definitely leaving or you're worried about as leaving or... Yeah, thing about transfers out in particular here. Um, players definite for me, Abada. I think he'll be going. I think he'll be one of the first out the door. I think followed by Abada. I think we might lose Rio. Obviously, the um, Brighton today lost uh, Alexis McAllister to Liverpool for thirty-five million pounds, and I think Rio may be a carbon copy of that type of player in that system. I know Brighton have been really interested in him, so I'd expect that to be. We initiated it in the summer for Watate second. I have a really awful feeling that Costa Colo is going to come back in for Kyogo. Just for some for some reason, I mean, his quotes were very evident when he was on about he knows Kyogo could do it in any league in the world. Why would he change his mind at Spurs? And he brought him over here from Japan. Out with that, the biggest worry is Jada and Carter Vickers. Again, we're going to be naive to think that Jada's not going to attract interest. I have friends who are Liverpool fans and even United fans who would say they would take Jada. I think he's a superstar in the making. I think he's really, really coming on the game again after maybe a couple of months where he was off it. But he's starting to, he was hitting form towards the last part of the season. Um, Carter Vickers maybe playing on their hands. He's injured until the start of preseason again, or maybe I think it's September time. So I don't, maybe he'll get to January. But the, the definites are Abada, Rio, and my gut feeling says Kyogo. And that comes back to it, Quinny. If you're bringing in a different type of manager, they might want a different type of player anyway. And 
Postacoldi said it, and to be fair to him, don't get attached to your heroes. I think a mistake that we made before, especially in the COVID season, we were keeping Ayer, we were keeping Christie, we were keeping Edward, and they didn't want to be there. We need to learn from their mistakes, because once you keep players who don't want to be there, the attitude goes down, morale goes down, it affects the dressing room, it affects the team, and if, if you have three players in the starting lineup who aren't putting their weight, you're not going to win anything. So yeah. eventually, these guys are going to want to make the move, and at the end of the day, as you said, Quinny, as well, they're all young. They're all ambitious. Their best is yet to come, and they want to explore different leagues, and that's fair enough. It's it's comfortable with me. Maybe in my, my younger years, I would have hated that fact. And would have, Why would anyone want to leave? We're Celtic Football Club. But uh, if the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, even the Saudis, by the way, them Saudis are signing some players. But it, if them leagues come calling, you're packing your bags and you're going. No question. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. So I think you're, I think Abada might actually stay. I think all the Abada chat has been... Whenever I've heard Abada talk about it, because Abada did a press conference towards the end of the season when he was coming back from being injured, and there had been some rumours around him. And I remember him, he, he did the press conference, and then he was like saying, like, I know I've still got to develop, and I'm happy here, and I want to keep pushing, da-da-da. I think he will probably... I think there was... Coming into this summer, I think there was quite likely... The plan, we're going to lose, and I'm just going to say O'Reilly to say a, a name, right? We're going to sell mm-hmm. O'Reilly that summer. It's unavoidable because of the interest. And do you know what? It would make sense if we could sell two, three other players. Name whoever you want, doesn't matter. And then that's probably the plan. Postacoglu leaving probably doesn't change that, but, but it probably does add on top of that as like maybe Kyogo and Rio and Dyson and Iwata, these guys have their head turned all of a sudden, and then you've got four mm. additional players on top of that, you know, circle of guys that were meant to maybe be the business of the summer anyway that was going to fuel mm. the moves and keep the wheels oiled and all that kind of thing. But I don't, I actually don't think, so I, uh, if you remember Angie's quotes, right, from when he signed Kyogo, he said, he asked his defenders who the hardest striker was to play against in the J-League, and he said every time Kyogo. If you ask the Celtic defenders that question, the answer is not Kyogo. The answer is Kevin Van Veen now. So I think that's probably your Harry Kane replacement, first of all. So Angel signed Van Veen for Tottenham. <laughs> and then... Well, that's, always... that's, a, that's a bold statement. <laughs> and then he knows, he knows like, he can't sign Kyogo out Celtic because we'll, we'll lose our minds if that happens. But he knows if he signs Dyson Maeda, probably a lot of fans will probably be quite happy with him. And Dyson Maeda mm. is quoted as being his son in some places, right? They've got that kind of proper... And I know he's got that with Kyogo now, right, and whatever, but Dyson, he's had that since Japan, you know? Mm. So I could see, actually, him coming for Dyson and Iwata, because Iwata's just only got here. No one would care if he left. And he would probably <laughs> quite like to have Iwata in his midfield, I would imagine, you know? So I could probably see him maybe doing Dyson and Iwata, if I'm, if I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers on that one. But I could see that. You're, but you're kind of giving you're kind of giving them the, the short straw there. Well, but I could, and again, but if you think about it, he let them, he let Yokohama win the league, and then we signed Dyson Maeda mm-hmm. in Christmas, and then he let them win the league again or whatever, and then he signed Iwata. So I do think he'll come back for Kyogo, and they could come back for Rio maybe, but like it might not be all at once because he did treat the Japan team with a bit of respect. You told me he would maybe treat us with a little bit of that. But on that note, I want to throw a hypothetical at you to give you back the baton, if you like, right? If I could tell you right now, these are the six players that are going to leave Celtic, and this is the transfer fee combined total amount, right? 
guaranteed, no matter what. The two options are they go to the interested clubs that were interested in them already, or all of them go to Tottenham. What would you pick? Well, like, if all of them went to Tottenham, we would be up in arms. Let's, let's be honest there. We'd be like, yeah. well, what's going on? That would be the biggest fire sale that ever happened in one transfer window to, from club to one club. If they go to their interest of parties, I mean, Matt O'Reilly, Fabrizio Morano tweeted very early on, I think it was yesterday, that there's still interest and that could be initiated again in the summer. So I forgot to say, I'm actually funny. I would expect bids to come in for him. Whether or not he goes, that's up to him. Um, I would choose the interest of parties because I think that the, the way you have to look at this as well, the fans are angry enough at Pasta Cogley. Now, we do not want to go down the realms of calling them names and, and calling them things that shouldn't be said out of the heat of the moment or anger. So if, if, if Rio went to Brighton, if a Kugel went to Spurs, if a O'Reilly went to, I don't know, Lazio or something, just hypothetically saying they're interested, fair enough. We get decent fees in for them, we can rebuild the squad. The one thing that concerns me is, I think the days now of us getting these early transfers are, are done. That was forward thinking by Pasta Cogley. I, I don't think the board particularly liked it. Obviously, they're having to put the trust in him all the time and, and Japanese players. And to be fair, he came up four out of the six times, I would say, so far. Um, so I think we need to pack that. We're not going to have the early exciting announcements before the window opens. That's gone. The next manager coming in is fatally important to me, Quinny. That has to be in the next couple of weeks. So he's there for pre-season. He can evaluate the squad quickly. And he can bring in the players he wants to bring in. And hopefully that's under a nice wee, uh, wee bank balance that we're brought in by maybe players going out, including the players, or including the bank balance we have already. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good question to ask, but I think if five players went, went to Spurs, wow. <laughs> because, because what I think, right, is what if Ange would probably know all the players that the club would like to sell or is planning mm. on selling or whatever, right? So let's imagine that's all a foregone conclusion. But like we always, we always say, we always like to think about, or I don't know if we always like to think about, maybe some fans do, some don't, right? But would Celtic win the Premier League? Could Celtic be in the top four? If they took our manager, and we know, and I say it's the same transfer fee, they're all going to leave anyway. It's a hypothetical. They're definitely, these five players, four players, whatever number you want to think of, same transfer fee, and it's just interested parties are Tottenham. If Tottenham had a half Celtic team and finished second. Wow. But you know, like, yeah, I get, I, I, I get that. I, I get that. <laughs> you know? But I have to say what I said you at the start. Well, I don't that. Come sign for Celtic, know, but, and then you can sell players yeah. for forty million rather than four million. You know, it's a, I mean, hypothetically that sounds amazing. But see, at the end of the day, <laughs> if if Tottenham signed signed four or five players from us, I wouldn't care. They'd be a, they'd be an afterthought in my brain. If they finish second, it it doesn't for me weigh to the argument that, that, that we would do well in the Premier League. It's we know we would two to three years. Uh, we know as Celtic fans, we always get talked down to by like Jason Cundy and and Goldstein and all these talk sport pundits and say we're we're the backwater league. Give us the finances you get. Give us the riches you get. Put us in the league. Stop being scared. We'll be challenging. Are you trying to tell me the Celtic aren't bigger than Spurs? We're not bigger than the likes of City. We're not bigger than Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? If you if you take us <laughs> if you take us as a global entity, I mean for a Scottish club, by the way, Connie, we're like the 49th, 50th 
most richest brand of, of a football team, which I think that's excellent. We're the only Scottish club on it, and that's something to be proud of. And you put us into that, and automatically you're getting, what, $900 million for TV revenue, whatever it is they get. You get the, the added cost of your season tickets going up because it's a premium league. Your players automatically raise and transfer fees. doesn't matter if they're, if they're bang average. A Haxabanovich would go for $2 million in the SPL. But if you went to the EPL with us, it'd be nineteen twenty. Do you know what I mean the the, the the massive bounty on on their transfer fees alone would make us more attractive, and it's really naive. And I, I know I don't want to go off in a tangent and stuff, but it's it's really naive to think, and it annoys me that people people don't believe if we were in that league, we wouldn't challenge. It's it's so ignorant, it's so blasé, it's so like ah they're they're this or that. It wasn't so long ago we had a pretty decent record against most of these teams in European competition. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. you, you, I mean, we drew a Man City under Pep when Rodgers was, was in charge twice. They didn't beat us. We, we were, in fact, we were the only team to take points off them at that moment in time. And then after them games, they started dropping points because they seen how we played in that system against City and how we matched them up for them two games. So, we can't compete. And if Spurs had a half Celtic side 20, if they won the league, happy days for them. Happy days for them. Yeah, it's just a hypothetical. I was, I was thinking about it earlier and I thought I'd throw that at somebody. So, Good catch. Well done. <laughs> thanks, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for doing that with me. I appreciate it. It was just a, a wee funny one that came to me. But um, it's probably, you know, <clears throat> when we're talking, you know, when I'm thinking about all this stuff, I'm always, I always do get a bit pie in the sky, right? Because for me, support Celtic, the thing I love about it, winning trophies and trying to climb the league and all the rest of it is what I've known for most of my life, right? But the one thing that I've always loved about Celtic and what the magic of Celtic has always been is the Lisbon Lions, is being indestructible at home in Europe, is the road to Seville, all of this stuff. That's the magic of Celtic, and that's the extra level. And I see fans all over the place, like constantly like, oh, if we win the league next next year, that'll do. And I can maybe get that in a crisis situation, but we are not in the same crisis situation we were in when Ange walked in the door, or even mm. the shiver situation, you know, the, you know, the Lennon one before. We're not in that crisis mode. I don't think we need to... You know, Rangers will, you know, they'll go and do some stuff and, you know, they'll come back at us and the league's so tight that it really does come down to the derbies really at this point. And again, yeah, it is, but it is. so that that can be, you know, that's a coin toss basically on paper, especially when you don't know who your manager is. Um, but, you know, we should be, we should always have the aspirations for the club, whether it be, and, you know, and me and you, I've had a great time with the podcast today. We've been in it, lots of different tangents about like the manager structure, the club structure and roots, all sorts of stuff, because, I know it's just the manager leaving, but it's the manager is, you know, when he was there, a lot of these questions are quiet because it feels like all these things are being handled. Now that he's gone, no one has mm -hmm. any real confidence that any of this stuff is going to be handled, really. And for us, like when I see fans then giving up on Europe already, man, we're guaranteed group stages. You know what I mean? We're guaranteed yep. groups. We've got a transfer window. We've got a quality squad. So much is going our way, and when I see people writing off Europe already, like man, it just it makes me sad. Really, you know, we're going into Europe next year, and I think like we should have ambitions, like of you know, we're regularly going to be qualifying at the top end of the, at the of the league, right? As far as I can see it for the foreseeable, I don't see us dro dropping any, mm -hmm. anytime soon. And UEFA are doing everything in their power to make the Champions League more money and more matches, which. You know, and you might want to be football purist about it, which, you know, we all do it sometimes, right? But we are one of the primary beneficiaries of that, really. You know, the Premier League teams, see them getting an extra 20 million a year, it doesn't mean anything, but see to like us and 
Ferenc Varos and Ajax and Bruges. That's like a pretty big deal, you know? So like Mm -hmm. when, you know, we are always going to be in that seat. It's going to get reformatted shortly. We've kind of touched on that before. And like, we really need to have the club, the players, the manager, everything. And the fans, I would say, like, we need to be all pulling in that direction. If we are top 50 brand in the world, we are a top football club institution. And like, this is where we party. It's not Scotland. Scotland's where we get ready for the party, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this is where we come We come for th- war, you, you know? I think as well, Quinny, like you make a great point. See the attitude of saying the league's enough. That's what the board want supporters to think and want supporters to believe. The penny pinching, the biscuit tin methods of the board are well known for the support. But at the end of the day, when we win the league, the clouds over the head, we don't think about your... I think that's an afterthought for the majority of fans. For me, it's not. I think Europe has to be where we make the we make the point. You look at I know we don't like to speak about it, but look at Rangers, right? They reached the Europa League final. Yeah, you might have got a rub of the green here and there, a wee bit of luck and stuff, but they've done it. Why can we do something like that? You, you look at it as well. To be in Europe, we shouldn't be there to make up the numbers and be happy to take part and take home thirty million. That's the wrong attitude for me. I know the board are rubbing their hands at it and they're like, yes. We can release the annual accounts at Christmas time that the support will believe we're gonna we're gonna spend fifteen million pounds on a player, we're gonna get more season tickets, get more of a waiting list, and then recycle it and do it all again. It's it's like a brainwashing method, which has done really well to be fair. I looked at Europe on the Rands as a total failure. That's for me, that, that was one of his downfalls, right? And you mentioned to be fair to Anz, he probably took about four or five job roles on under manager. Like he had to do the transfers. He was probably doing scouting. All that has to come into effect here. But the Champions League group uh, previous there last year, I thought we should have done far better. Shakhtar games were winnable. RB Leipzig games were winnable. And then the Real Madrid games were free hits. We have to admit that now. I mean, we're not that forced no more. We can we can beat them at home or get a draw. That That's no problem. They can deal with that. But the other two teams over four games, we should have took more than what, what, what we did often. Then you look at, obviously, the Bolo Glimp with Nutson in charge. He totally took us to park and took us to school in, in terms of his tactics. And they destroyed us over two games. And that is where we need to improve. That is the, that's like the carrot dangling from the sky where we need to be go on a run. We haven't won a knockout tie, 2004 or something, which is absolutely, it's incredible. And you look at it and you look at the teams like Club Bruges, you look at Ghent getting in there, you look at Furnace Faros, Sporting Lisbon, the Portos, Ajax, they do brilliant jobs in here. They get to the latter stages year on, year out. Obviously, different forms of European competition, Ajax, Champions League, Furnace Faros, Conference League, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But why can we not aim? See, see when you go, what annoys me, right, and the, the guys on my podcast with Otis, is when you go and do the next podcast and we're like, oh, we've done well for 30 minutes, but Ultimately, we lost the game and didn't get any points. We we mock Rangers fans for lifting these invisible trophies. It feels like what we hit the post against Real Madrid. There's a trophy for Callum McGregor for doing it. Doesn't matter. The final result is they win, we lose. We don't get no points for hitting the ball off the post or dominating against the Spanish Giants for thirty minutes. Football doesn't work like that. It's fucking it's farcical. But I just we need to compete more. We we need to. Go into these group stages, whether it's Conference League, Europa League, and we need to believe in ourselves. It's not to be there to take part. We, we, we laughed at them as for getting the worst draw in the, or the worst point record in the Champions League. We weren't far off it. We had two points or whatever it was in the end. So 
a sense of reality here. Do you mean that Shakhtar, them Shakhtar games are winnable? The RB Leipzig games, maybe a win at home and a draw away. Why is that out of the realms of possibility? Do you mean we looked at that? Um, was it the FC like Sheriff team? League, you know, like yeah. Was like, was it the FC Sheriff team beat yes, Real Madrid three yeah. 0 at one oh. point in the group stage? So. Do you know I mean we're lifting the Cal McGregor trophy for hitting the post and they're beating them three 0 in a ten thousand seater stadium? We need we need to get back into this spot where we're a European force. The league and the travels amazing. The dominate on a domestic level is fantastic. But if we want to be known as that world class club and the ambitious club, we need to make our mark in European football. We're really doing funny. It, it annoys me. It really does. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Because as I say, like European football, I think is like. Celtic identity is what we all love. We all love the club. Mm-hmm. We all love what it stands for and the identity of it. And there's no way that <clears throat> what separates us from the pack, a huge part of that is the European element of the club, you know, and like to deny that or diminish that, I just, it, it makes me sad. You know, that's the only way of saying it really, you know. So especially at this point, we're guaranteed groups, man. We've waited so long for guaranteed exactly. groups. We've had it two years in a row. We're going to probably get it next year if we keep going the way we're going. You know, fingers crossed. Yeah. No jinxing. But like, you know, that's the best scenario you, you could you could hope for, you know. And this is when we can start to, hopefully, if the club can, you know, use the Ange thing as a wake-up call. Like, wow, we're not actually that far away from cracking this code of being a consistent group stage yep. team that can turn over. Like you, you gave us uh, an example of the turnover earlier, huge number, fantastic, right? And all the rest of it. But there's other clubs in the continent that have like rubbish, you know, like see if you look at the Portuguese league from one to 20 or whatever, how many numbers are in at 16. Same with all these other divisions across Europe. Austria as well is a terrible one for it. The league is rubbish outside of the top mm-hmm. one, the top three, like, cause it's just like Scotland in that sense. The only yeah. difference there is see in Salzburg and all these places, they only give a fuck about themselves, right? In the sense yeah. that we don't care that every our Scottish club only has five coaches. We're going to hire 20. And we don't care yeah. that our squad size is meant to be 20. We are going to have 18 or, you know, whatever. And they just make sure that this works as good as possible at all times. And then when we go to Europe, and I know Salzburg haven't won anything and some of these other clubs are having different ranges of success, right? But ultimately... For the club to do better, the club needs to make as much money as possible so we can keep these players for longer. We can say to Ange, mm. we can say to players like, nah, you're staying, you're on this contract, or here's a better contract. You know, we used to do that with players. Remember, you know, like Larson gave was given yeah. a contract to stay, and so was other players. You know, we used to be able to do that. It's, and they would want it's to stay forward. Be like, you know what? We could get out the groups next year. And if we get out the groups, that's the beginning. And yeah, that's, it's that's it's forward thinking, Quinny. You have to future proof the club and See the, the, the mad excuses here. Like, I don't understand why people say, we'll do better next year because it was a learning, a learning experience. We're going to be in the group of probably different teams. That doesn't come into it, for my opinion. We're not going to be up against a, a Luka Modric or a, a Tony Kroos again. Do you know what I mean? So I, I personally think we need to take the opportunities when they arrive. We need to do well. We need to build the squad for European football. And then, as you said, Postacoli said it, five, six, seven years, consistent level in the Champions League. Whether or not we make it into the last sixteen and all for that, but dropping down in the Europa League, give it a give it a go. I mean, stop making excuses, being like, "Oh, I had to travel four hundred thousand miles," or "It's in Kazakhstan," or do you know what I mean? Turn up, show up, and give the supporters what we want. I, I don't understand why the excuse culture has got so big within the fan base. It's baffling. It really is. Yeah, this is Glasgow Celtic. So, 
I think we're going to. I think the manager is the uh, is the the main variable that really everything is like mm. in this vortex around, isn't it? Ambitions for next year, the transfer policy, who's coming, who's going, scouts, yeah. coaches. You know, because we're talking about people that have been brought to the club, but there's nothing saying they're going to stay. You know, like people leave the club all the time at this point. So like, yeah. we need that manager to come in. I think as soon as possible, and then I think we can then start to see. Okay, the club actually have a clue, or no, actually they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's it, the next move's fatal. We'll know if the the board's ambitious, or we'll, we'll know again if the board is penny pinching. And with the names listed, I think we're probably have our favourites. That's fair enough. I would still be along the lines of maybe a Potter or Rogers with a the fit again Ariola behind them. Interview them, see what the crack is. But please, God, Celtic, show a bit of ambition to the supports. I mean, we we've backed them through and through. We've paid for season tickets in an empty stadium. We've so we've so liked season tickets as well. So it's something that has to be done, in, in my opinion. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I could keep you here all day and all night, I think, because out of all, you know, throughout the summer, it's only going to rumble on further and deeper, mate, you know. But as Celtic fans, we've got a lot to be hopeful for. And we've got a lot not even hopeful, but a lot to be excited for. But it's it's fingers crossed on the next move, you know. So um whatever you're up to over the next couple of days, if you're enjoying the Champions League final, we all I think we all want to see Inter Milan lose Champions League finals. That's, well, that's the way we like to don't, see it, don't speak know? for me, Quinny. <laughs> 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 but yeah, if you're watching the football, have fun. Uh, Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Hail, hail. Hail, hail, folks. <laughs>